You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. Please welcome Jody Hanna, co-developer of Ambassadors of Compassion and producer of No Gray Areas, the movie. Jody Hanna discusses what grit is and why it's important for character development. Let's listen in. Jody Hanna, welcome so much to the No Gray Areas podcast. Uh, we've been actually working together uh, for almost a year, mm-hmm. I believe. We yep. have weekly phone calls. We're actually taking this story that the That's podcast right. is named after. We're turning it into a major motion picture. Mm-hmm. And then we have this curriculum where we're going to try to reach over a million yeah. students. So it's it's been fun working with you. This is an incredible project we're working on. But Recently, I was on the phone <laughs> with you and your husband, Eric, uh-huh. and we were talking about this podcast yep. and, and, you know, I was going to have you on this podcast and talk about something really different. And Eric's like, no, no, no. Here's what you need to talk about. Yep. You have a very, <laughs> very interesting story, right? So you, so, so let me go. 17 years old, you left home, right? That's right. Yes. Okay. I was always the highly motivated child. So I knew really from the time I was, I mean, I would say eight. So I grew up in Oregon. And I would run around my house saying, I'm a California girl. I'm a California. You I just knew, that knew. At eight I was, years old. oh, I knew, I knew, I knew. And so we just, it was just part of our family structure. Like, I'm going to LA when I graduate. Like, yeah. that's it. I'm yeah. on my way. Yeah. And I had a huge passion for Hollywood and for yeah. media. And so, yeah, I was very driven. And so at 17 years old, my parents took me to court with, you know, I asked them, hey, I already had agents, I already had managers. I was actually, I know we're filming this podcast here in Arizona. All through my teen years, I would come to Arizona and I would I would um, help produce these talent showcases. Really? Uh-huh. Really? So that got me my start. That got me in front of a lot of talent agents yeah. and managers. And so I was already signed and they wanted me down for pilot season. So I said, mom and dad, are you willing to take me to court to make me a legal adult so I can hit the road earlier. I almost didn't stay for my high school graduation. I didn't even know you could do that though until you said that. So your parents <laughs> could take you to court Yes. at 17 years old uh-huh. and, and now you are officially an adult. I'm officially You're an adult. living on your own. So you moved to Hollywood. Yes, literally the day after my high school graduation. So I was packed. They kind of forced me to go to graduation. They're like, you just might regret it. So I'm really glad they did that. But I went to graduation, literally came home, went to bed, and the next day I drove off. Wow. Yeah, just super motivated. You already had agents, all of that. So Mm -hmm. you go down there to do what? To act originally. So I had a passion for, I had a passion for it all. Yeah. You just Um, wanted to be part of Hollywood. I wanted to be a part of Hollywood, but I really wanted to have a production company. I knew that was, you know, where I was headed. I wanted to be a director, wanted to be an actor. So I went down there just to pursue it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And was it, what did you end up leaning into the most? Well, acting at first, I mean, I was so young. Yeah. So for me, it was a great way to be on set and to, you know, learn all the different elements. Uh, I was in major acting classes as well. In fact, they actually pulled me off market for a while and just put me in these intense acting classes just to really kind of break me up uh, emotionally, which was so good for me. And what do you mean by breaking you? (laughs) Well, I was (laughs) just, that that doesn't sound good. (laughs) It doesn't sound fun. Does it? No, no. And it wasn't fun just to, oh, just to make me a better actress, just to get more in touch with my feelings. I was raised in a house where, uh, feelings just were not a huge yeah. part of it. So as we're going to come back to that. <laughs> I know we are. So as an actress, that was probably my biggest hindrance is that there was just times where I'd be more reserved and I wasn't like as, walls up. yes, I wasn't as in touch with my feelings. Okay. In fact, my husband, he'll laugh because yeah. when we first got married, he was like, what are you feeling? I'm like, what's the question? Like, yeah. what are you asking? I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I remember the first time I was like, I think I'm frustrated. That's very interesting though, where you were saying you 
to, to be a good actress, you mm -hmm. had to learn to, to really feel those feelings. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're going through that. You're, you're primarily doing the acting. Yep. Then you started messing around with other parts of Right. Yeah. I mean, by 18 and a half, by 19, I was being nominated for awards. I was doing music videos that were getting on MTV, the big networks at the time, BET, mm -hmm. uh, VH1. I had our very first video pick was picked up nationally for the Hard Rock Cafe reel. Wow. Yeah. Um, it won People's Choice Awards. It was yeah. nominated for a Dove Award. It was... And, and are you... Heavy, it was on MTV, heavy rotation. Are you rotation. acting in this or are you... No, I'm, you at this point, I'm actually... Now I've gone behind the camera and I'm directing and producing. You're directing and producing. Yep. Yeah. And I found I loved that just as much as being in front of the camera. Yeah. Why? Because I think I have such creative vision. Uh, I still just love, it's probably my most trusted gift that the creative ideas are going to be there yeah. and then to be able to execute it just felt very, very natural Isn't to me. Isn't that interesting as an eight-year-old, you already... I mean, you probably didn't know that for sure, but no, there was yeah. there was this desire and passion to go do something, and it was actually what you're good at, what you're wired to do. Yes, and I think it's that God-given compass because there was nothing in my home, nothing in my hometown. I mean, nothing around me that would have would have even spoken to me about that. Yeah. You know, it was very, very. It was the furthest you could get from anything California, anything Hollywood. It was just a complete opposite. Yeah. So it yeah. had to be in there for me to make those yeah. huge leaps. Okay, so let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. Okay. Oh my so, gosh. So okay. <laughs> I have to help the audience understand. So we're on the you and Eric, your husband, and I are on the phone. We had just talked to a scriptwriter about this movie mm -hmm. that we were making, and so the scriptwriter goes up, gets off the phone, and then we start talking about this yep. podcast. And then your husband just starts laughing, kind of a <laughs> kind of a little bit of an evil laugh, like, "Oh no, Pat, let yeah. me tell you what you need to interview for." She's not so, what you think. Yeah, he's going. You wouldn't believe her background. Yeah. So, so you set us up well. I mean, you're dreaming of Hollywood. Right. You go to Hollywood. You're an actress. Yes. You end up producing and directing yes. things. But you did not grow up that no, way. No, I so did tell not. Tell us. I, okay, you, tell <laughs> us a little bit about your. And it was a challenge because I'm like, I I actually want to learn about makeup and fashion. I mean, I had to shop at secondhand stores exclusively. Yeah. If I didn't find it in our little, it wasn't like a huge, a little little town, but it, I mean, it was like just junky thrift shops. Like yeah. if I didn't find anything cool in that shop, I wasn't going to wear anything cool. Like I've become yeah. an insane thrifter because of my yeah. family. But yeah, my mom, I think my mom really added this wild dynamic to my upbringing. Uh, my dad, you know, he was raised in the city of Portland, Oregon. He was very much a city boy. So even the contrast between them, because my mom was this mountain woman, you know, she shot her first bear at the age of 13. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. <laughs> she shot her first, her first bear. Bear bear in the mountains of Alaska, like at 13, at 13. That's like a, like a fifth or sixth grader, probably sixth grader. Yeah. So yeah, she just, that's just part of how she grew it's up. She's she out bear up. hunting and she shoots her first bear at 13. That's right. Okay. Yep. So keep going then. Well, I'm gonna I mean, pause like, every once in a while because <laughs> this was normal to you, right? This was very normal to me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my normal was rattlesnake hunting. We had chipmunks for pets, you know, when other kids had hamsters. Oh no. You know, we had the little golden mantles. Um, we had rats. We had possum. Those were our pets. Are My you mom talking was about pets or what you ate? Pet, well, both. <laughs> okay, <that's true. laughs> My mom had no problem turning anything into dinner. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We, we lived on a steady. <laughs> I think, I mean, I would say my diet was primarily roadkill. Yeah. yeah. So I am one of those rare teenagers who came home and my mom had skinned a freshly run over possum 
And it was in the it was in the oven for dinner. Okay, it I wasn't. Gotta, pretty, I got once again. Bad. I gotta go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let's. <laughs> let when because you're just saying, yeah, we ate roadkill for dinner. Yeah. That like that people joke about that. Like right. people would joke and say, like, yeah, you were probably <laughs> one of those families that ate roadkill. Your family really did. Like your mom they really did. Figured out how to take. She'd be driving. She'd see oh. something dead on the side of the road and just decide she's gonna pull over and yeah, check it out. Yeah. I mean, that was the big thing. Let me let me check it out, girls. <laughs> and she knew. Did how she to, ever have you check it out? You know what? She didn't. Okay. She didn't. I don't know why, but she didn't. Yeah. Um, she's a master. I actually wish I knew some of her skills because she's like got yeah. special skills that I don't have yeah. that I do find, you know, they would certainly be handy in a zombie apocalypse. That's yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, she knew how to tell. We're oh, all thinking she... <laughs> right now, if something happens like that, we're driving to Oregon and yeah. finding your mom. She knew how to tell if they were fresh. And it wasn't just limited to deer. I mean, there was one deer. She'll, she still tells a story. I think she still feels the 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 trauma of putting us in a car with a deer that was potentially so about to to become alive like it was such a fresh kill and she wasn't sure it was fully dead but us we us, us girls had to help her i have a sister and we would have to help her load these you know carcasses the, the of, yeah. of any kind of animal into our car but the deer were heavy you yeah. know, so we would put those deer in and, oh, she she always tells a story about so, that one. And car. You said car, not pickup. You're not Mi throwing was, in the bed of the pickup. Minute, no. It's no, in the, car, it's in the, in the trunk. car with you. <laughs> <laughs> we never had a pickup. Yeah, it went in the trunk. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it was not always a sealed trunk either. You know, sometimes it was the minivan truck, trunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, if that deer comes alive <laughs> the in the back of the trunk, alive, it's going to be interesting. It was going to be interesting. So she actually, on that one, like she prepped us girls. Okay, girls, now if this happens, I'm going to pull over and you're going to get out of the car as fast as you can. Like, we don't know what this thing's going to do. That's not a conversation a lot of parents have with kids. <laughs> no. Like, if this animal comes back to life, this yep. is how, yeah. Wow. So so that's how you, you're growing up with that. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of this whole survival. Yes, eating. very. Yep. 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 Uh, tell us about, so you're dating your now husband. Right. You bring him over for, was it the first dinner? Or one yeah, of the I first mean, dinners? We, we flew in because we, you know, we You're were down in California. Yeah, we now. were in California and he comes and my mom at that point had really gotten into snakes. She was into him when I was younger and even through high school, she had a couple, uh, but she had just, the house was full. I think she had 13 big aquariums around the house. And then as if that wasn't enough. I could not sleep knowing that. Like, <laughs> Well, neither could my husband. Yeah. But yeah, she went and got sticks and she nailed the sticks, you know, up on the, on the walls. And then she put rubber snakes, you know, in these like strike poses. Yeah, yeah. So those are all over, all over his bedroom, plus live snakes. And he, he's so when you walk most into terrified the, <laughs> of snakes. When you walk into the house saying, I want you to meet my family on the wall are coming out like snakes with all these different <laughs> yes, poses. Yes, I had already I had already prepped my husband. Yeah, yeah. But he was not prepared for what he came into. Mm -hmm. And not only that, like if it was feeding night, you know, we'd be sitting in the living room like this and she'd have her little can of all the mice and rats and she would just plunk it right on our furniture without thinking about, you know, the furniture. You know, I mean just the like it's yeah, not like she yeah. went and did she would just she would just be talking to you and you wouldn't even know and she'd She'd pull a mouse or a rat out and she'd just funk it against the table and then put it in the tank. Yeah. And, and you'd be like, like, oh, just like, oh, yeah. this this is what we do. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not giving this a second thought. I've gotten to know Eric this last year. I so wish you had some pictures. I would have just loved to see a video or a picture <laughs> of him as he's talking to your mom or something and watching this happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was, yeah. I mean, he was often horrified. Yeah. <laughs> and the dynamic between them was hilarious, you know, and, and my dad. I mean, because the oddity of it is not even there anymore in my home. But then you bring in outside, you know, people who aren't living this normal life. And the fact that we were in suburbia, you know, we weren't, 
we weren't living up in the mountains. We were right outside of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I grew up like going you weren't to the in a city. log cabin in the middle of nowhere. Right. You're, okay. Yes. Yes. Wow. So this is where the whole idea of abnormal becomes normal, normal becomes abnormal, right? Like I've said that before when people grow up in dysfunctional homes or right. But but you're we're not necessarily talking about a dysfunctional home. It was yeah. just a it was it was different. When did you realize it was abnormal? Because abnormal is normal if you grow up in it, but there's a moment where you go, this isn't normal. Right. When when did you start I, to see that? I think almost right away. <laughs> I mean, really, like, I mean, and it just goes on. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I'm actually um, in the process of writing a TV series about it because there's oh, so good. many oh, funny good. stories. Yeah. You know, but we neutered our own cats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we went rattlesnake hunting and she went shopping. Like she was, you know, I would, we shopped for uh, mountain lions as pets and she ended up at the last minute not getting one because she could never forgive herself if it turned you on shopped? us. You shopped? Shopped. Yes. I don't okay, even so know how that's Okay, so once again, legal. like abnormal is normal. Like most people are going out looking at puppies for pets. Right. You, your family's looking for mountain lions. That's right. <laughs> in in the city. I mean, in a suburbia. Yeah. Not yeah. city, but suburbia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think I knew right away. I mean, just because I was inherently wired towards city, towards Hollywood, towards industry. You know, my mom... My dad was in education and he was very successful in what he did. He actually was brought in to overhaul these kind of troubled schools and they would bring him in to just rework the entire school and help those kids to thrive and the faculty to thrive. And the honor, Mary, Mary, um, the mayor actually came out and honored him when he retired, like did a citywide honoring of my yeah. dad. But my mom never wanted industry. And yet I saw a brilliant business mind in her. This this is why this is such an interesting story, because, again, if someone sees you now or in the last 10 years or something, I mean, you're a Hollywood person, you're yep. artsy, you're creative. Didn't Your husband, you didn't you have like a clothing line, too, that mm -hmm. you've done? Yeah. So yep. you've done all this. No one would have imagined knowing that about you, that you came from the background that you came from. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think is being misjudged. And it, it's not even in a hurtful way, but most people have no clue about who I am if they just see me, you know, they see like the book cover. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people say, wow, when I get to know you, you're so different. Like mm -hmm. you are the, you're the example of you've got to read the book, not just judge it by the cover. Yeah. Which is what I think all of us as humans want, right? All right. of us as humans have that to a certain extent. Yeah. Like what you see, there's more to me. There's more to my story, right? right? But yep. yours is definitely is definitely that way. But that story helped form who you are too. Very much. We were talking much. about this. Last night we were all having dinner together as, as mm -hmm. families and you, you were sharing a little bit how early on it, you were a little embarrassed by that. Like mm -hmm. you got to the point where, okay, we're kind of weird compared to most families and you were embarrassed <laughs> right. by that, yes. right? Yes, yes. Yeah. That was difficult, like it high school very, years? Yeah, it was very You didn't difficult. have class parties at your house? I did not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I kept them as far away as possible because... I, I wasn't comfortable with it. And partly because it didn't resonate with who I was, right? So I was very different than her. I think the thing that I loved about my family is they really supported my dreams. Um, and so they they celebrated my differences. But yes, I I always admired my mom and my dad, but my my dad fit in his world more. But I always admired my mom that she was so she was so fearless in being original. She, it never bothered her. It, everybody's judgments, which there was plenty in the neighborhood always, you know, they always had names for her. Um, it never bothered her. She was just a hundred percent okay with being who she was, no matter how approved or unapproved she was.
And I think there's so many lessons. There's some of us that never get to that point in life, right? Oh, that's right. Like we're all, we have our masks on. Yes. We have our, but you're saying you learned watching your mom. Truly this, this authentic. Person. Yeah. Truly authentic. Yeah, that is a gift. It is a gift. Did, but you didn't realize that till you were older or did you? Did you re realize that when you were in I would, maybe high school? I realized it, but I couldn't relate to it. I wanted to relate to it. I actually thought that was amazing. Her fearlessness, um, her absolute ability to be authentic in the face of disapproving judgments, you know, that, that was very admirable to me. Something so that even I, while you're, so you're growing up, going through years that are difficult for anybody. Um, yeah. Um, but you, so you're a little embarrassed by this, but at the same time, there's something that you really respect about what you're seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I think inside I was such a leader, such an achiever that I knew inherently I'm getting really amazing, profound things from this family that I wouldn't get from a family that was more normal. Because of my wiring, there was something about me being put into this family that challenged me to be far greater. It just did. And that's helped you in your, oh, in your career. Oh, it's in helped your life, me right? so much in my career because I learned survival. I mean, our house was just an environment of survival. It's like, if you're cold, you put a jacket on. I don't care if it's an Oregon winter, we're really not going to turn the heater on. You know, um, I had to really learned to take care of myself. I mean, some of the, you know, the strengths and the negatives of growing up, I was able to leave at 17 because I had such grit. I had this push through, can do attitude. I had to show up. And my mom created a lot of, <laughs> a lot of very weird, but high stakes scenarios where, and she would say, if any one of you drops the ball, we're, we're all going to be very hurt. Like when we were she neutering would, our cats without any, <laughs> any pain meds. We're going to feel, we're going to have <laughs> cats have raking claw. our arms. And the way she's just got such authority. So it was like, oh, you knew. Oh, I must fully commit to this job. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm putting the entire team, yeah. you know, in danger, which really set up for even filmmaking, mm -hmm. you know, and how, how so? How so? Because it's such a team effort. And okay. every role is so is so specified and it's so critical that it is done fully. Mm -hmm. You have to fully commit. And you learned that neutering cats. I learned as that neutering family. cats as a family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as a yeah, as a, a an older toddler. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did that all through. Like, I mean, I think our first one I was probably nine, and then that was just a regular occurrence. You mentioned grit, which is. So mm -hmm. interesting. Entire books. Recently, there was a book written, and I think that was the title of it, Grit. And mm -hmm. this woman is doing studies, scientific studies, social studies, finding that that's one of the key elements in life. Like what what separates someone who just does good work to from someone who does great work? And and her studies found it's grit. Yeah. But you look back now, and this what we would most people would call a weird family. You look back and go, that weird family is gave me grit. You know, you're right. It, I, I didn't know necessarily how to value that at a young, younger age. Right. But I, it's just one of those things I've been so grateful for. I just was given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to have to push through, you mm -hmm. know, to have to just go that extra mile. And, you know, no matter how hard it was, I, I just had no place for being spoiled or being, you know, getting soft. Yeah. I, I had to show up. Yeah. I just had to show up. And, you know, when I moved home, at, left home at 17 and moved to Los Angeles, I didn't. Yeah, I had an agent and I had a manager and I, I, I actually had an uncle. He was very busy. He was doing all the sound effects for the fugitive at the time. He was a sound um, supervisor. So I was staying. I stayed at his house for about three months, I think. 
And then I moved to the ghettos of Los Angeles. And I mean, you talk about just how well my family served me. I just knew how to navigate. You, you were going to survive. I was going to survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was the only white girl. Did you neuter any cats in, in that? In <laughs> I, that didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I have some stories, but I can't yeah. share them here, and they have to do with cats in the ghetto. But I <laughs> <laughs> okay. Roadkill? You didn't need any to... roadkill? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I left that tradition behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you still leave it behind? I'm just curious. You know, if I my d- wife and I ever come to your house <laughs> for dinner, I do have... leave it behind. But I, if I'm driving by a deer, I often think, hmm, hmm. that's yeah. a that's There's a lot a... of good venison right there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> What's the strangest thing you ever ate? Wow, there's so many. Uh, I was served brain regularly, uh, trout testicles. I think that's probably the weirdest. And weirdest for my husband, too, because my husband has had he, to suffer through some of this as well. He ate those? <clears throat> yes. And and midway through, realized what he was eating. He did not go into it knowing what he was eating. So he was, yeah, he was halfway through eating, yes. found out. To which my mom was like, isn't that the best thing ever? Uh, he, <laughs> oh, bless his heart. He, I think he did. He's a good guy. He's a he good guy. That's up, when yeah. you knew he was a keeper. He had grit too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, Jody, that all of that has served you well. And um, what's really interesting is we're we're working together on this huge project. Yep. You and your husband have been yep. doing this for a year. Just recorded a podcast with him. Probably played last week. So yep. if you're a listener, uh, go check out last week's podcast. And Erickson talk a lot about the ambassadors of compassion that you guys put together. This mm-hmm. curriculum, this vision of reaching a million plus students with this. But we're taking this, and we mentioned this a little bit at the beginning. Yep. We're taking this amazing story. No gray areas. Uh, 1994, this sports scandal that took yep. place at ASU. And uh, it's really a cautionary tale, but also a redemptive story. Mm-hmm. And we're we're getting ready. The yep. script writer's almost done with the script. Yep. And then you're going to take this and you're going to start running with this and making this into a movie, right? Yes, Tell us absolutely. a little bit about that. Well, we're very excited. And I just want to say this because, you know, we've talked so much about my upbringing, but I grew up in a home with so much conviction. And I think that's something about this story, right, is we're in a generation that has, it just seems to be that there's a lot less and oftentimes no conviction about right and wrong. And so dealing with the subject of these gray areas, because the gray, the gray is very inviting, right? You don't know what you're getting into until sometimes it's often too late. Right. That's where people a lot of times are like, I don't know how I got here. Exactly. But they stepped into gray, a little more gray, a little more a little gray. More a little more gray. And that's the cautionary tale of this movie is look at what Joe, it just kept going farther and farther and farther. But guess what? That's often the course. And so we're so excited to be able to impact people's lives through the story of mm-hmm. Joe uh, Gagliano and, and his whole journey in learning the hard way about the gray areas. You know, we can really help this generation begin to analyze the choices that they're making, the influences that they're letting into their lives um, early on and make choices that hopefully will impact their future for the better and not for the worse. And that like you just said, that's one of the areas where you look back on your family that would have been considered strange, but you look back and you're very thankful. Very thankful. Because your mom taught you the conviction. Yes. You know, you know, it was, for me, one of the weird things about my family growing up, my dad was a strict disciplinarian. Okay. And to the point where, I not, not abusive, but to the point where I was kind of embarrassed because all these other kids would get to do stuff. And, right. And they, they knew I couldn't. But I remember when I went away to, to school in Chicago, grew up in Montana, went away to school in Chicago, I looked at all these young people with no discipline in their life, and I mm. sat down and I wrote my dad a thank you letter. Wow. At about 19, 20 years old, I'm like, ah, oh, 
you gave me a gift by that. Yes. That conviction, yes. discipline, right? And That's so you, right. So you learned that. And and a lot of our youth don't have that today. And that's, that's part right. of what this movie and this curriculum yep. helps them with, right? Is to Absolutely. get those things, the convictions. Yeah, I think it's the perfect marriage um, with Joe's story and the Ambassador of Compassion program. Because oftentimes I think we fall into the gray areas because we have unresolved pain mm-hmm. or we have identity issues, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really know who we are. We don't really know our value, our self-worth. So when you start to bring healing to the soul and you are identifying your goals and dreams, you know, I can't tell you how many times my goals and dreams pulled me out of the gutter, you know, pulled me away from choices that would have devastated my life. And so it's a great combination because I don't think you can, I don't think you can really handle talking about the, you know, avoiding the gray areas and, and, and being able to learn from the experiences of others. If you're not also working on becoming a more whole person that gives you the strength to make the right choices. Absolutely. That's what's so exciting about this. And mm-hmm. as as Eric and I talked about on last week, your husband, yep. we talked about on last week last week's podcast. Yeah. There's this tipping point that you recognize that if if six percent, Malcolm Gladwell writes about this, if six percent right. of the population, uh, you can get them if mm-hmm. you can tip that, you'll change a culture. Yeah. So what we're talking about doing in the next year to two years is reaching six percent of our youth. Yep. which has the potential of changing the entire next generation, That's which right. will impact their children and their children's yep. children. Yes. It's it's huge what's it's, happening. It's huge. And we need heroes to arise within this generation, right? It's going to be, you know, within the youth culture, we need youth to start taking a stand and helping other youth to make the right choices. When it it's never been easier to make the wrong choices. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's handed on a silver platter mm-hmm. in most cases. Mm-hmm. And I love that we're able to transform media as well by creating a platform to not only tell a great story that has an effect within itself, but to combine it with a program that changes lives and then to get, provide a platform into schools and beyond, I believe, for Joe and others, yourself, to tell stories, to, to share personal testimony. Mm-hmm. You know, we're lacking so many role models, mothers and fathers. And I just feel one of the things I've seen in this generation that I love is they actually want, not all, but there's so many kids that are actually looking like, please help me. I need a mentor. I actually want wisdom. I don't know how to do it. I'm fumbling. I'm out here making a mess, but I actually want help. And so we're creating a platform, combining it with media, which I believe is one of our great superpowers. We really have yet to tap into all the ways that we can impact the nations through media. And I think mm-hmm. that this is a real launch in doing something mm-hmm. innovative that can affect youth on a mass scale. Mm-hmm. I I'd so love what you just said because media is, storytelling has always That's been right. one of the most powerful things for humans. In fact, I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm a preacher, mm-hmm. a communicator. A good one. And about 10 years ago, thank you. <laughs> about 10 years ago, that's one of the things I started looking at going, if I want to become a better, I need to focus on becoming a better storyteller. Right. Because humans have always yep. connected with story. Well, this is the first time in human history where we are able to tell story in the last couple of generations, right? Mm-hmm. Less than 100 years, really, where right. we're able to tell story on a screen. Yeah. And that's what you're saying, right? Is to take these amazing stories and figure out how to use the screen, but then leverage that for yes. a, for a curriculum, a movement yes. that's going to change students. Yes, creating yeah. platforms for further expansion of impact. Yeah, yeah, I think we're at the beginning of that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it, but I think I think we can just dream about how we can use this yeah. to impact. Yeah, I get so fired up even talking about that. So, how do people? get a hold of what you're doing. If they want to get more information about you or Ambassadors of Compassion, how do they do that? Yes. So Ambassadors of Compassion, they can go to aoclife.org. And for me, they can reach out to me at info at streaming house ENT, abbreviated for entertainment, 
streaminghouseent.com. Uh, okay, so say that one more time for info, people. So. Yep, info at streaminghouseent.com. Okay, and that's how they can get a hold yep. of you. And, and if my, they want to find out about AO, aoclife.org. That's right. Okay. So one of the fun things that we do on this podcast is ironic because no gray areas. You and I were just talking about gray areas and the danger of it, but I'm going to ask you to lie. Okay. So two truths and a lie. The, our guests, our, our listeners have been listening to you. We're going to see if they know you now after 30 minutes of listening to your story. <laughs> two truths and a lie. Okay. I was the youngest to be nominated for a music video award. Okay. I am a published photographer and I loved school. Um, I'm going to say published photographer is a truth. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to say the first one, the youngest, to what was that one? The youngest to, to win, to be nominated for a music I'm gonna video. I'm going to say that's award. the truth. That's the truth. Okay. You, here's where I got to that one <laughs> because most people that are creative like you, who right. are creative, hate school. It's true. I was dyslexic. I hated school. It was always a challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not dyslexic. I don't have an excuse and I hated school. Oh. Yeah. Yes. But, but you, so you hated school. I hated school. You So once you graduated and moved on after seventh, that's where you started. Because you love to learn. I love to learn. I still yeah. am obsessed with learning. Yeah. I am such a learner. I'm very curious about so many things. Yeah, yeah I wish I, I wish there was more time in the day to learn, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but the but the in-classroom, very dry, was, mm -hmm. was tough for mm -hmm. me. It's tough for just, most creatives, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yep. That's very entrepreneurial. I just wanted to get out and start doing yeah. it, which I did. Yeah. 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 I almost went to CalArts to study film and all things creative, but I, I just, nope, I just went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, Jody, thanks so much. It was great having you on here. Thank you for sharing <laughs> these stories. I, I, our listeners are going to have fun with this. I can guarantee you they're going to be telling other people. I just <laughs> right. heard this story that was crazy. <laughs> so thank you so much, but thank you most of all for what you're doing with Ambassadors of Compassion, thank the you. impact that you're having. Literally, I, I, I'm not understating this. This is going to have an impact in generations. The grandkids of the children that are going to be learning or going through this are going yeah. to be impacted. So thank you. You're welcome. Pat, yeah. it's such an honor to be a part of this project, to be producing it. I'm I'm honored. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the impact we're going to have. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so you. thank you. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.